My AirPods working. Are your AirPods? Oh, yeah. You always have it on your left. No, maybe you're on my right ear. I don't know why. Maybe because like me, you have like a better hearing on one ear than the other. No, but you always also kind of, your face is slightly on the right, meaning that you're hiding. <laughs> that. I don't know what it is. I don't like having headphones on both. My I feel very claustrophobic. Oh, it reminds me of the army. When I was doing the army, you know, they gave us these um, super big things to uh, when you want a shooting range. And I felt like I was dying. I hated that thing. You know, I don't like it. I it's a very compressed. strange feeling. I'm sure there's some technical term for it. <laughs> exactly. Guys, uh, tell us. There must be something. I mean, this is why I never buy in-ear headphones, like the new AirPods Pro, whatever thing. I try them for like a week. And I was like, this is not for me. Give them away. It's just like when it sticks into my hair, I become like claustrophobic. That's a, that's a good term. That's probably that's the term, actually. Is that yeah. a scientific term for? Is it also raining cats and dogs in your place? Yeah, my alarm clock this morning was the end of the world. <laughs> it was actually kind of cool. I, I love that kind of stuff. So yeah, it was, uh, it was quite the spectacle put on by Mother Nature. Yeah, it was Almost tropical. Dream. Yeah, it was also during the night. He woke me up like at three and then kind of stopped. And then around six or something. It's very ironic because here we had the um, host by ban starting yesterday. <laughs> well, I'm happy because my garden will not die out now. My, I can see the, the grass becoming greener. Um, <laughs> each hour passes. I think it's going to go all day. Anyway, um, uh, hold on. I'm hearing you well for once, but I'm also... But different type of... Uh, oh, I have my gain cranked up, so... You cannot hear yourself, right? No. Well, I normally don't do podcasts with you. These are for my live streaming stuff. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen, I woke up to the news of Japan opening up to individual tourists, but you need to go to a travel agency. I just... Yeah, <laughs> your face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've been having some conversations with people, uh, fellow Japanophiles about this, uh, development that's ongoing development and the rumors and, and yourself included and i i think i think you and i are of the same temperament on this which is i'm just gonna be patient i've been patient for two and a half years i'm going to extend my patience until <laughs> it's how it was but but these are all positive signs that we're, we're moving towards that glorious glorious day when it's it was like the olden days yeah, I but was it's good. It's positive. Yeah, yeah. No, I was not planning to go before. I gave up, like you. Not gave up, but like you know, whenever, whenever it happens, happens. And I, I don't. I, I was planning perhaps to go like in December, so perhaps that would be good because I was talking to Matt Matt Drink Water at, um, I think his Twitter handle, which I didn't say last time, is at Drink Matt. If not, <laughs> Drink Matt. That must be a, a new beer. Ah, uh, sorry, Matt. And. Uh, it was, yeah, a couple another month and uh, they'll open fully. Because I, yesterday, when I went to sleep, the new thing was unguided tours. And you're like, ha, what? So you're supposed to go on a tour, but it's unguided. I don't know. What are they thinking? And, to, and this morning, um, or la late last night, if you were still awake, they said they will allow through. It reminds me of the days, I don't know, you probably have experienced that because you were traveling as a... A younger kid, <clears throat> you're still a kid. <laughs> Some countries in Asia required you to go through travel agencies to enter the countries. I think uh, Taiwan was one of them. Taipei, if you wanted to go there, you had to. You couldn't book by yourself on a. You had to go through. All this. So basically, it's back to the 80s or something for Japan for now. Uh, we'll see. It's not official announced, guys. It's uh, no. September. Apparently. And wasn't 
this mixed in with the news that they're going to drop PCR any form of testing? It, yeah, yeah, PCR testing as well. My 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 sarcastic take on that is that the Prime Minister Kishida wasn't able to go to Tunisia because he tested positive for COVID. So he basically, he did that for himself. So next time he can actually go to his. Visit. I think so much policy is based on that type of thing, and you know what. I think we're we're getting used to it. Well, you know what? That's good. I think I, I I don't know. We've 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 all tried to predict the ebb and flow of COVID over the last two and a half years, and no one has got it right. And exactly. I think these small wins are enough to keep our our, our heads up. So long may it continue. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So um, have you had a good summer? Ah, oh, hold on. Let me just put the. I just want to tell you both good luck. We're all counting on you. And the music comes in a little bit later. Have you had a good summer? Because, guys, yeah. we haven't actually really talked to each other since we last recorded. I mean, you went off with your kids to the U.S. We'll talk about that today. And then you went off with a tour of the U.S., a big Alex Hunter tour with Megan as a supporting act uh, <laughs> in South California and Mexico. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, you you sent me, like, episodically a few pictures of random airports And uh, I think you've done, by the way, we have to decide which airport it is today because uh, you've done SJD, LAP. LAP, I'm like, what is that one? And uh, Phoenix, but Phoenix, I think we've done it. Uh, San Francisco, we've done it as well. LAX, we've done it as well. Mm-hmm. So probably it's going to be between these two. These two. Uh, you'll, have to, you'll have to tell me about those airports. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. I was just reading, when I was putting my notes together a little bit earlier this morning, I was, La, La Paz is an interesting one because it's, It's so often confused with Bolivia, which has got so many. It's much more storied than La Paz, Mexico. But yeah, it's uh, that was that was neat. I think that that one was probably earned the uh, my, my affections, if not the uh, designation for the airport of this episode. Okay, yeah, so we'll, yeah. yeah. So, we'll, so I, I got to show you. How do you had a good thing. summer? Yeah, yeah. I got. I forgot. I ordered this a year ago. My God, it's my new. Ago? It's my new in-flight entertainment system. Um, it's a Valve Steam Deck. Yeah, I know, but why a year ago? Meaning that you forgot it in a box, or did it well, come no, like no, a year they, later? So they 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 did pre-orders a year ago when it was huh. just sort of a, like a proof of concept, and I was like, "That's awesome!" Because I'm not a I, I used to be a PC gamer, um, but I'm not anymore. And I've got you know, and I, I love Nintendo and all that stuff, but I was like, I just wish there was something. And then this came out, and everyone's like, "Wow, this actually looks like it's gonna go work." And I said, signed myself up, paid the deposit, and then completely forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, that happens. That happens to me a lot about with uh, Kickstarter stuff, right? They suddenly come like five years later. Oh, did I order this? <laughs> I think it was exactly the same thing. I mean, it was even procedurally like a, like a Kickstarter. And then it just arrived in California. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's a very, <laughs> very impressive device. It will absolutely be my... Um, my ife of choice now just it's it's a very piece of impressive piece of computing if you're into that at all and you can emulate every old school console ever made that that sells it to me though i mean the reason i don't have any console gaming or pc i used to also uh, game is that uh, it's addictive to me so if i have something at home thank god i don't have any kids i would basically never stop playing Uh, i remember like land nights and forever days of you know weekends that lasted for 
five days of playing some, you know, even oh, some yeah. GoldenEye 007. GoldenEye 007 is probably one of the best game ever. Uh, with I friends got it, doing man. That. It's on here. Oh 60 my frames a second in 4K. So, yes, <laughs> it's just a little nostalgia machine. But, yeah, it's, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you. So We're right yeah, that for that. Kind of, We're the right age for the nostalgia We are machine. the right age, exactly. Because my, my kids are video gamers and always are saying, hey, do we come play with us? And I do every now and then. But most often I don't because life is busy but also they're really really good at it and that's kind of annoying <laughs> yeah it's a challenge for you yeah. I, I need to show that i'm still the oh, head of no, the house they kicked my ass on a regular basis but yes i had a good summer and and you we we never get the opportunity to go back to your your first pakistan trip let alone your second so i'm i yeah, I'm so I, yeah, I decided. I decided that because we're still in August, we're recording this twenty fifth of August, twenty twenty two. We're still gonna stay with a holiday mood before we come back to work in <laughs> September. So <clears throat> we're gonna focus on your trips and all the news that we missed and some of the stuff. And um, I'll do an entire Pakistan episode. The next one, yeah, yes. I I ended up going to. Islamabad, it was a very, like you you know, because I've been keeping you appraised, very, 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 very last minute. It was planned, but the visa wasn't get, getting through. There was all these, a lot of logistical issues. And basically, um, I just came back. So on a Sunday, a fortnight ago, on a Sunday at 6 p.m., bought my tickets to there. And on Monday morning, I was at Heathrow going to Islamabad for a week. Wow. Uh, and it was, it was, it was fantastic. Uh, the reason I want to keep, there's so much to say about how to get there and to talk about the country, because of course, it's one of these countries that has a lot of um, cliches and often negative cliches about it. When people, you know, all my friends, when not you, when I say I'm going to Pakistan, they look at me like I'm something crazy or maybe I'm a spy. That's the only reason, the two reasons, either I'm insane or I'm a spy. There's one of the two reasons I'm going there. And uh, so I want to, of course, defend the country and explain it a bit. But what I've discovered is that the three cities I've been to, so Karachi, which I've now been twice, Lahore, and Islamabad, which I've just been to, are almost three different countries. So I want to take time to explain. Because, that you know, it's... Um, remember we talked about, Mark, if an airport is can uh, represents their city? And in that instance, it is really the case. Because each airport wow. has its own almost culture and all wow. messiness or lack thereof. So I think it requires a, a good hour of discussing. And also all the quirks... Um, there are some delicate matters to talk about. I want yeah, to no, I'm looking forward more. to it. So, yeah, Absolutely. and since I don't want to do like uh, just travels this uh, this episode, let's let's do it for the next one, which will be whatever in about two three weeks. But yeah, so you've I've been to Pakistan. You've been to yes, Boris has been in a typhoon. I mean, I wish I was I wish I was prime minister just to be be in a typhoon. Yeah, we usually not all really about politics, but having seen that, I'm very jealous to be in a typhoon. Would I, would you have I done this if you were prime minister? Uh, I don't know if I probably. I think uh, <laughs> if I'm going to abuse any type of power, it's going to be to get myself in some kind of fast jet. Yeah, yeah. I think they were refueling whilst he was filming that or something. I mean, God, yeah. Uh, I'm jealous. I don't. I, I, I'm not a particular fan of Morris, but that I like. So um, uh, let's play the intro music for Ken Kanai, as always. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, were you able to meet uh, Coco Melon? Uh, we had your brother, Will. <laughs> I think it was two episodes ago, actually, sending us, um, p posting one of these pics. I think it was on Instagram about him listening to not the previous, but two episodes ago. And uh, I think then there were, he was in discussion with his wife on Instagram because instead of taking care of 
the kid. He was actually listening to layovers. And she mentioned, Coco Melon. What is Coco Melon for someone who doesn't have kids? Is that Co the new name of Will Hunter? He's, he's, yeah. That's why I called him Coco Melon. <laughs> well, it is now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. It's the, it's the kind of animation juggernaut that uh, has taken over the lives of anybody with, par with parents, with kids. Oh, with parents, too. With, with is that kids. the new Peppa Pig? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, somebody will jump on it. It's, it's, I, I want to say it's from somewhere in Asia, but I, I might be, I might be completely wrong, but it's, um, it's, it started on YouTube and is now a juggernaut. I think it's the most subscribed and mo most watched channel in all of YouTube. Oh, there you go. Because uh, I, I, the reason, of course, I know about uh, Peppa Pig, besides of UK politics, is because <laughs> people who live in the UK will get that. Uh, it's because my... Uh, my niece, no, sorry, my um, goddaughter. I mean, now she's older. She she used to watch that all the time, and I would put her in front of that when she was bored at my place. And I that's the reason I uh, finally installed like some you know um, profiles on my subscription services because otherwise I would get only yeah, then you know she would leave and yeah. my entire programs will be <laughs> was like <Yeah>. what <laughs> yeah yeah but I learned that the hard show. way too. <laughs> so let's start with a let's start with a good news or bad news. Uh, BA is canceling every single flight for the next forty years or something. It, it <laughs> it's been this cascading wave of cancellations, hasn't it, all summer? And it doesn't seem to. Well, I was about to say it hasn't made a bit of difference, but actually, you know what? I think it did. I think it has made a difference. Yeah. And if it's a short-term pain for long-term gain, it just it's. I, I don't know if they they or their PR machine have done a good job of explaining why they're doing this and what we, the traveling public, can expect to see as a result. All we see, and I think it's quite right, is my effing flight was just canceled. Because it's not exactly a whole bunch of notice, is it? They're talking about through the end of October, and now we're now you know you booked your flight maybe even a year ago, and now you're getting notice that it's been canceled. Yeah, they first started, that was just after we recorded last time, they announced the suspension of selling tickets for August, and they canceled a lot of short-haul flights, so you were safe, and I would have been safe if you had flown BA, I ended up on Qatar, obviously, mm -hmm. um, but still, uh, and, and then that, ex that is expanded now um, to, I think, like you said, in November, I think. I, having, you know, I don't, Having been to Heathrow twice, so once in May and once now in August, I, I think it made a difference. Now, of course, like you said, if it falls on you, you're not happy about mm. having your flights canceled. And it doesn't give you a lot of confidence to actually, I'm going to Spain in um, November. I think I'm going to book with um, EasyJet. Yeah. Just, you know, because, you know, I think, I don't not know, it doesn't give you a lot of confidence into short haul in Europe with BA. Nothing right. does anymore, but you're right. I mean, EasyJet, um, they do seem to be the ones that have, I mean, we set Ryanair aside because I think just procedurally, mechanically, philosophically, they're a completely different beast. But EasyJet are the ones that seem to have, I mean, you look at other, even in their on-time performance, they're the ones that have weathered this storm the least crappy. Mm -hmm. And not BA. Yeah, I think so. And not BA. And I, I, BA have... Have made some structural changes. They've made some schedule changes. They've made some uh, a lot of big changes. And I think this is one of the painful realizations once they put all the pieces together. Going, we don't have space. We don't have the capacity for these ten thousand flights or what. However, I can't remember what the actual 
some total of flights canceled. Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's more than ten thousand. I think it's probably pushing twenty or thirty thousand. And yeah, I think you know, it's, I think. It's, by the way, guys, I have my window open because the I will I will I will burn to death of heat, uh, even though it's raining. So part of me, there's like suddenly a truck. I think it's uh, Thursdays are usually when the um, the garbage is being taken out. <laughs> we'll hear about that in a, in a few guys. So apologize. Apologies for that. Uh, you know, one of the consequences I haven't, I haven't thought about because it doesn't really concern us with all the delays and all the issues at Heathrow and, and probably in other airports as well. But we know that the visa rules in the UK are pretty... You, so in the UK, if you have a short layover, you for most passports you not you don't have to take a visa, mm-hmm. uh, but it exists for certain passports. And for longer delays, it exists uh, some something like the transit visa. Oh yeah. And I've seen India. I've heard that many stories of people getting stuck at Heathrow because their flight has been delayed or, or canceled, and yes. suddenly they're they're like the illegal statements. immigrants in yeah. the UK. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I I think India is one, and I've heard. Of people transiting from like the U.S. through through Heathrow and and getting stuck. Yeah, I think for the U.S., you know, they're on a waiver, so they should be fine. But if you are on a like you said, Indian passport, probably or maybe Pakistani passport, all these yeah, passports, yeah. sad for them that we are a bit stringing on. Uh, I mean, it's unfair, but it is uh, the rules of the UK, not ours, not Alex and mine. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is not great, and I'm sure it happens in other places as well. So it's uh, it's consequences of all these of this mess. Um, so Ethro, actually, the reason that the reason that um, BA cancelled and suspended the sale of short haul flights during August is because Ethro requested all the requested now asks nicely. <laughs> To the airlines to stop uh, selling tickets to cap their flights, basically, which some did. And the, the story about Emirates was pretty fun, actually. It was. <laughs> but it's done because the, 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 so once Heathrow announces that, then Emirates shot back with a pretty well written press release. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the TLDR of which was, how about you go F yourself? <laughs> really? I mean, and it, you're right, it was beautifully pithy and sardonic. Yeah. You know, like, we're not going to do this. It's not It's not our problem that you can't run an airport. What I've, what I've learned since in the background, I don't know the exact, all the exact details, but I have some sources from insiders, is that actually Emirates used that, leveraged that whole situation to negotiate something. I don't know if it's lowering of the, some fees for the rest of the year or something. So they ended up saying, okay, we will not sell more tickets for August. The reality is that they only had 10 seats yeah. left to sell in August. <laughs> Which I'm sure they didn't reveal during the negotiation. No, they didn't probably. <laughs> so... So they raised a win-win for them because anyway it was like, and they 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 said they would authorize. So let's let's say if you and me had a ticket, then we wanted to rebook ourselves for a later flight. That's that's not a new ticket. That would be fine. So they gave themselves a lot of. Uh, so basically, they were full. So anyway. <laughs> Have you heard? I, I didn't know that exists. I mean, I knew that it existed from some of the ethereal, um, very ultra wealthy people. But uh, a friend of mine was will stay um, unnamed. Because he was hearing there were so many issues at Heathrow, booked himself when he came from San Francisco to London at the Windsor Suites. Oh, yeah. The only reason I know those exist is because in the 90s, there was that wonderful program on BBC called, I think it was just called Airport. And it was, it's been resurrected a few times in the, in the 
um, following decades, but it was just behind the scenes documentary. And they're one of the people they followed around on a regular basis was the woman who ran that. Oh, it, okay. I did. Yeah. So and it's right. It, it, it's now right next to T5, a sort of underneath T5, but that's, I didn't even know you could, you could do that. Yeah. It's a uh, $5,000 per person. <laughs> so what they do apparently they pick you up at the airport so the royal family use that uses mm -hmm. that apparently right so they pick you up at the, the inside the aircraft they drive you with probably a very nice jaguar or something to that location and that five thousand gives you of course there's immigration right there so you don't have to you know they, they process it for you if you have to go through immigration and you, you can stay up to three hours and of course they that's also where you wait for your luggage because it, the luggage don't have like a royal system, I guess. <laughs> you still have to wait for them. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, probably out of my budget. I don't think a client would actually pay for Like, yeah, of course, I need a royal suite when I come back. <laughs> I mean, to be completely honest, if, they, if there was an extra 5000 in a in a travel budget, I would be throwing it at the experience. And yeah, I, I, yeah I'd love to try. Yeah. 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 Immigration, if it means I can go first on Emirates, you know. <laughs> Guys, if you've if you've tried it, uh, yeah. whether willingly or because you know maybe your boss paid for it, or maybe because you're ultra wealthy, well, I'll keep anonymity. Please tell us how it is because I've I've tried to look at pictures online, and there's not that many. Um, so I would love to know the experience. <laughs> I mean, you you must feel like a baller if somebody picks you up at airport, and or you've been drunk and you've been arrested by the police. If that's either <laughs> the case. <laughs> I know. Uh, um, uh, uh, since we're talking immigration, uh, guys, promise I'll move on from the UK soon. But um, I've I've read as well read as well that the border force, so our dear people checking uh, immigration when we arrive here, is testing technology that allows you to enter the UK without going into an e gate and without talking to anyone. Probably that's biometrics. They don't yeah, say that indeed, but probably that's biometrics, right? I mean, when I got in t back into the U.S. from Mexico, the guy said I started to take my passport out, and he said, "Don't, don't, just look at the camera." Okay, I mean, the, the technology is there, and I it's think the thing there, yeah. that, that right. they're talking about is you wouldn't even really need to stop. Yeah, that reminds me of my experience at uh, Dubai, which I explained now three years ago, whatever. <laughs> COVID years do not count, so a year ago. Um, where I think, was I entering? You know, I was exiting the UAE at Dubai airport, and I was in premium. So I was like, in the, you know, first in business class, uh, you know, checking thing. And they had like this path, and you just walked. It, you didn't have to stop. And I, and I guess if, the machine didn't recognize you. The, some doors would lock you in, or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but or maybe a trap. Be me, I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, you just fall through the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but that was very impressive, and I guess that's the the idea. Uh, I still had to scan my passport at some point. Oh, yeah, when I was doing the check. No, when I was simply doing the check in. So I'm wondering that was not linked. Yeah, I didn't have to register for it. So anyway, that, I think that's the future. Yeah, I do too. Uh, it's, yeah, hey, yeah. anything they can do to release the or, or reduce the friction on that. Part of the so process. I didn't know that you, uh, so as you guys may know, Alex lives in Kent, uh, which is south east mm -hmm. of uh, London. I didn't know that you put so much pressure on the government that they are about to open the 7th London Airport next to you. Uh, I've read that Manston Airport is being 
rejiggled as a new London. Of course, then London, <laughs> is it still London? But Man. London Airport. Would you, f I mean, first of all, have you ever been to Manston Airport? Dude, Manston has a huge place in my heart because oh, it's where I learned how to fly. The oh. very first flight that I took uh, when I was at the controls was at Manston when I was oh, an Air Force really? cadet because it's an old, it's an old RAF base. Yes, that I knew, yeah. And I, wow. so I, when I was 13, I uh, jumped into a chipmunk and I, I've, no way, that did awesome. my Abenicio flight training there. Yeah. And it was a cool because it's, it's a, it's a huge long runway. And uh, it was a point where uh, if you were learning to be a 747 pilot with BA, that's where you would come and do your touch and goes. Oh, no way. So I would be in the pattern in a chipmunk with a BA 747. That's okay. That's so yeah. awesome. But is it anywhere near London? Piss off, is it? Uh, yeah, I London. mean, that's it. the definition. As soon as they had like London Oxford Airport. That's, and, yeah. Uh, we just ripped this shit out of that in our Oxford attache episode. Yes, yeah, true. That was a very cool. That was a very nice episode. Guys, why it for the enjoyment of seeing three brothers having fun and displaying old pictures of themselves. It's really a fun. It's a different kind of episode, but it's one of my favorites because oh, of the, yeah, uh, fun to me. the brotherhood and the... The emotion of it, um, you know, I really loved it. I, I, I really loved it. You should really watch it. But yeah, you mentioned that. I forgot. You mentioned that London Oxford Airport. Yeah. Yes. And then I think it, it, I mean, Manston will probably follow the same trajectory as London Oxford or Oxford because people have tried and failed to establish scheduled service out of there. But then when you see how difficult it is to actually get into London, they they pull out. Uh, it, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And you have... Along the south coast near me, you have LID as well, which does or did scheduled service to the 2K. Uh, and before yeah, the, I was looking into tunnel. that years, years, years ago because that would be, I was wanted to go to Normandy. That would be the faster. Route. Yeah, yeah, and the 2K is a lovely little town in and of itself. But now with the Channel Tunnel, there's no point. So I, I don't know. They talked about establishing a high speed rail link between Manston. I mean, this, they've been talking about this for decades, ever since Manston High speed rail in this country? It's not gonna happen. We're supposed to have one between Gatwick and Heathrow. It will never happen, or yeah. it will happen by the, you know, in 2800 something 80. I mean, come on. It's, it's sad because the rail, the state of rail, especially high speed, it's not really a high speed in this country first. I mean, nah, yeah. I'm not, I would not bank on the yeah. high speed. No, I wouldn't you still, you still cannot get to, which one is it? Luton or Stansted? You still have to take the bus to do the end. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. right? Uh, I mean, anyway, uh, not to only to talk about the UK saying that they have probably, we have problems because the entire world has problems. Amsterdam is, is also um, capping yeah. flights, keeping capping flights until November, if I'm not mistaken. Or even December, so it's really. And the story is the truck is here, you can hear it go past, maybe. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 really, the, the, the stories I've been hearing, I was in, uh, when I was in Islamabad, I had two people there that came from uh, the Netherlands, obviously from Amsterdam. And my God, I mean, it's almost as if, you know, London Heathrow is fantastic next to that. There's, we never had like five kilometers queues outside of the terminal or something. No. It is insane. And it's frustrating because Amsterdam was always, you never had to worry about it. It would just work. Yeah, and you never true. had to worry about, I mean, sometimes you'd have a, a really long taxi, but you never had <laughs> yeah, to that, worry that, about that, that runway, which is that, that one, yeah. Rotterdam. Rotterdam. <laughs> you didn't have to worry about making connections. You didn't have to worry about anything like that. Security. It was all, it just seemed to work. And we were like, why can't, why can't Heathrow be like Schiphol? And now it's Not. the opposite. The opposite, yeah. So, well, I, I, but same problems everywhere. The I, I've 
these numbers are from I think July, so I wouldn't count. Uh, in Europe, which airport do you think had the most delays? I think therefore July could be for June because I called these numbers in July, so maybe they're like delays. They're a bit passé now. But which airport do you think had the most delays in Europe? In Europe, I I, I, I my initial reaction would have been Heathrow. No. It, and a hint, it makes me happy. <laughs> oh, Frankfurt. <laughs> yes. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't hear about this a lot in the news, but when I read that ranking, I went online, and indeed, uh, airports, especially Frankfurt, has a lot of issues as well. You know, delays could also mean sometimes a five-minute delays, but mm. here they're talking about the number of delays to the airport, I think. So I'll, I'll quickly, first Frankfurt, second Amsterdam, third Charles de Gaulle, Mm, that's uh, Gatwick is fourth and, and Heathrow is fifth and then Munich, Athens and uh, I, don't, I forgot the other ones I don't have them in front of me so yeah so I mean we love Charles de Gaulle in Frankfurt <laughs> but yeah so you see I think every single one of us because we live in the countries we live in have a tendency to only focus Bash, in, yeah. on the news of our countries but uh, yeah Frankfurt has a lot a lot of issues as well I don't know if they're comparable or not to the, to the ones at Heathrow they're all different right but I mean um to talk about good news, one of the airports that is not mentioning that is Madrid. Madrid is opening a new spotter area. Have you seen that? I have not seen that. This That's is really cool. Wow. So they actually are opening. I don't know. You have to go on Google Maps to find it, and probably the, the website will have information. They have actually opened a place next to a runway so people with their cameras can actually take pictures of the, the flight landing. I, I love that initiative. It's yeah. really fantastic. We don't really have, we don't talk about that anymore because it just it all shut down. But what a treat. And it's open between 7.30 a.m. to 9.30 during the summer and 8 to 7 during the winter, which I think it's probably next month or something. Is it, is it airside or is it landside? Must be no, there. so it's, 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 you're just, you know, it's like for spotters. So you are, you don't need a ticket. You oh. don't need, it's, so you just, I think you have to drive there. That's the only question. But, you know, probably you're carrying five lenses and 25 yeah, exactly. cameras and whatever. But it's, it's really well organized. I've, I've seen a few pictures online, and that's a good idea. I love it. Because you can see here with, you know, Big Jet, all these guys, they have to kind of find ways to place themselves. But there's not like an official, no. not, not, like a nice space that is catering, catered for people that want to take pictures. I, I love the initiative. I do too. That's fantastic news. And uh, more on, on your um, past experience with uh, whaling, another reason. You know, when we, we discuss about whaling, it's one... Usually when we criticize an airline, there will always be someone in the comments or by email that will defend the airline. Mm -hmm. Didn't happen with Welling. So guys, if anyone wants to defend Welling, please go ahead. Uh, the, um, that story of the, there was a, I think it was Barcelona, a Welling flight supposed to go to Birmingham, if I'm not mistaken, and all the notes in front of me. And there's suddenly a loud bang, uh, burning smell, and a pilot runs off. Just leaves the aircraft. Oh, yeah, I've read about that. <laughs> One more reason to fly whaling. You can trust our pilots as well. well. <laughs> Have you seen that Dan Gare, you're the friend that you made? Yeah, at, uh, yeah. Your friend said, uh, as a final kick in the teeth to the whole sorry saga, I had an email from whaling today telling me my two flights, 15 hours combined delay, had earned me the grand sum of 280 av avios. 280. That's great. Uh, I it's it's that whole experience was abhorrent. And funnily enough, somebody posted in the 
BA Flyer Talk Forum earlier this week, and they had basically had the same experience that Dan and I and others had. And I and I, like even down to the to the people at the gate, then they mentioned names. I'm like, I know that mf'er. I know exactly who you're talking about. That they're still employed is mind boggling to me. I and, and I think after I read it and and I just sat there shaking my head, going, Oh, I know what this. The thing that I that I sat there with was how many people IAG or BA brought over from whaling. To make BA better. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. You're right. Like, their head of brand, their customer service, all these. And like, are you? No. No, they explains a lot. But holy crap. I mean, what a... And BA seems to be going more and more. They announced a new base in Madrid. So they already had in May announced a base. Basically, they're sidestepping all the Brexit rules. Yeah. Because they're saying, we don't have enough staff. So since we cannot bring them here, we're going to basically base ourselves in Madrid. So now BA is becoming more and more a Spanish airline, in a way. So there's a second base, yeah. So if you basically, when you fly a short haul, you'll probably have Spanish or probably EU hired uh, staff. Yeah. Because they're... Sp- yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I, it's hard because guys, we want to love BA. At least I want them. I don't yeah, know. I want them. Me too. And and it's it's uh, right now you make it. It's so easy to create. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, not so, let's not not do only them. Um, there was a, a story uh, that was told given to me in Amsterdam. So yeah, I'm gonna the target will be Amsterdam today. <laughs> uh, there, since we're talking about uh, delays and the luggage, the luggage situation, we've had a few stories that I were. I'll start with that because it's just a. A personal story, but there was this flight at Amsterdam, and the captain comes on the PA and says, uh, "There's no one to load the luggage, uh, so we will go." So the crew, uh, the, the 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 staff, will go in the airport, will go and load the luggage themselves. But they add, uh, the pilot adds, "Well, we don't have enough time." to do that before our slots. So uh, we're asking uh, four to five strong passengers to come help us out and load the luggage in, in the aircraft. So look, I love this. I would, and when we exchanged about this, we both said the same thing. We would be raising our hands first. I want to do that. Absolutely. Right. How they thought that was a good idea with liability and security. That's my issue. Not issue, but like, even like, should not, we be like having some security clearance to get on the tarmac yeah. and do that kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, but they were giving high, apparently the passengers were giving high vis vests and they did it. I would have done so, that in a heartbeat. <laughs> Me too, man. It's an experience. That's, 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 that's better than going to the Windsor suites. And I would just love to load luggage for yeah. just, I'm, maybe not as a job. I get that. So. Tough one, but yeah. Um, Delta, I think, did we mention that last time? Delta has sent a full plane yes. of baggage handlers to Heathrow. Baggage handlers and then a, a, a plane full of bags, too, or planes to oh, yeah, bags come back. Bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> how embarrassing. Yeah, we're getting a good re- reputation. But the, the best one for me is Qantas. So Qantas has asked its senior executives to help out at airport bag- uh, as airport baggage handlers uh, for the next, I think, three months. Good. So if you're like uh, in a cubicle and paid a high salary, you probably don't have a cubicle, you have a nice office, you'll have to actually load luggage, which, yeah. you know, be part of the solution. I'm, yeah, I like that. I do too. I, uh, yeah, right. Um, and next door in Bali, 
by the way, a friend of mine was in Bali, is in Bali, arrived in Bali. Uh, you need currently at Denpasar, that's the closest airport, the Bali airport, you need five hours to clear immigration, which tells you that everywhere it's a mess. Um, so Bali from Australia, since I just mentioned Australia, do you like your um, Mac muffins? Alex? I do. Unfortunately, that is a significant weakness. <laughs> That's your kryptonite. I do. I frippling lo I love those things. <laughs> I don't have them very because, often, but oh my god, they're satisfying. Yeah, these. Uh, yeah, because for me, McDonald's your is made for either your kid or your drunk. Um, you, you. That's the two situations where you go because you have kids, or you are a kid, or <laughs> a drunk. drunk. Kid. But we assessed early on that we are kids, so because that's our excuse to go. So there's this Australian uh, passenger that left Bali and came to Australia and he illegally brought into Mac, uh, the country Mac Muffins and, of course, was arrested at the border. <laughs> oh, is it because it's imported food or it's because food, it's pork? basically. You cannot, I think you cannot... Uh, you, you, any kind of food which is not, you know, uh, industrial package, packaging, you know, like that is being made in a factory. If it's made in a restaurant, you cannot bring it. And the guy hid them in there in his backpack or something. But why would you want, uh, like, hours-old McMuffin? Yeah, but there's something, you know, maybe he was drunk first. Maybe there's he's something. drunk and forgot, yeah. No, but also there's something to say about, it's like the old pizza, maybe, you mm -hmm. know. I don't know. I, I never tried Mac Muffins 12 hours I, later. But I also have not. Yeah, okay, may, I, I, fair, you know, fair. We have These we things tend it. to, with all what they put in them, tend to stay good for a long time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the... Uh, uh, the U.S. guys in the U.S., you also have issues. Uh, we had the story, a friend of mine, Hiroko Tabuchi, she's a, a writer oh my God. Uh, at the New York Times. Uh, I knew her, of course, when I was living in Japan. She used to be at um, AP and Wall Street Journal, both, I think both in my time, so we're talking 10 years ago, now she works there. She... Uh, <laughs> This she was playing United at Newark, uh, and of course there's staff shortages. But on top there was weather issues, and on top there's everything on top of the other. She she stayed for nine and a half hours on the plane that just taxied on the tarmac, and it's, then ran out of fuel, and then the the crew hours were were up. I mean, it's like some kind of Kafka esque nightmare <laughs> on a United flight taxiing around Newark in perpetuity. That, that is I didn't realize that a flight, of course, it seems logical, but I, think, I don't think I've ever heard of a, of a flight not having any fuel anymore because it's just been taxing for too long. <laughs> it's, it's, I thought that was only like in Paris when you, or Amsterdam, when they're like super far runways, when you might, uh, but no. So you can taxi all day long. It's a pretty cool, ex I don't know. <laughs> she, well, she captured, I mean, she's a journalist, of course she was. She captured it beautifully on Twitter, yeah. this ongoing, I, I, it was... She kept her, I mean, at least the way she wrote it, she kept her humor about herself, which I She's admire. She's like that. I think she kept her cool and humor. Oh, I admire that because I would, I mean, <laughs> and and they don't have the protections that we have here in, in the continent yeah, of Europe. Uh, yeah. So what a, you just think someone would have had the wherewithal to go, you know what, just we're going to kill this thing. Come on, everybody off. Yeah, we'll figure yeah. it out later. Yeah. Or at least let you, exactly, just. Live you live, live, just stay in the, the terminal and not on the flight forever. I mean, I get I get it because as long as you're on the flight, as soon as it's you know ready, they can leave whatever. But I mean, nine point five hours. Unbelievable. <laughs> she would have come to London by then, yeah, or she's even like going to Denver. Yeah, and then she took the Amtrak, I think, in the end. 
<laughs> Why? What else? What uh, the U.S. airlines uh, announced that they are uh, going to cut, I think, 40,000 flights as well until November. So it's it's affecting everyone, right? Yeah. And and United, of course, we love to hate United. Everybody does, but guys, probably because we have the United uh, Union of of crew or something that is listening to this episode. So we love you as well. United, the, the, the heads were trying to kind of PR their way out of this by saying, yeah, it's all the fault of L ATC and the FAA and it's not our fault. And uh, they had to apologize and say, well, actually, you know what? Because then the FAA said, okay, these are the numbers. Mm. Like, oh, yeah, well, actually, yeah. So they're like everywhere. I think all the airlines oversold not realizing they won't have enough staff and they cannot hire fast enough. There's not even people, not enough people available yeah. and they just have no choice. Yeah. To, uh, they have to be realistic and cancel flights. I think that's just, uh, this. <laughs> otherwise it just creates like meltdowns over meltdowns. Yeah. There's just no, yeah. yeah. Uh, before we go, yeah. Just this story I caught because I thought about you for some reason, even though you don't fly a Delta. There was, a, there was on Twitter, I think it was a month ago. Uh, was, I don't know who she is. Maybe she's also a journalist. That was on Twitter. She said, a special price today to Delta for letting me and my husband into their lounge because we have a specific credit card and informing us that our four-year-old would have to pay a fee or wait outside because she is not a card holder. I mean, this is where I, I get that the lounges are all full, mm -hmm. but this is when it gets like, guys, she's four years old. And I, have you had ever issues with your kids? I mean, usually you told us many, many times that, for instance, when you were entering um, lounges here at Heathrow, they will wave you through. Because, yeah, I mean, it... Or not, or simply say you can't, but just like these... Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned because I did fly a leg on Delta this summer and ran into something uh -huh. very similar. But with, I mean, with my... It all, if, if the lounge is empty and I have two of my kids in tow, every now and then look all like, yeah, go on then. Um, but not with three. I mean, yeah. and I don't expect it either. Yeah, so. Three, maybe. Yeah, I get it. Um, but no, it's American, and maybe we'll come on to that uh, a little bit later. But the American um, systems for priority, exclusivity, it's all so complicated. Systems. <laughs> It's like uh, we announced 500 different groups before you. Group yeah. one can be entering the aircraft. Oh, <laughs> you'll tell us uh, in about, we'll do a, maybe more 20 minutes of stories, and then uh, you'll tell us of all the stories you've been through. Um, because I want to, absolutely want to talk about Lufthansa, which I missed last time. Um, first, so we met, I mentioned earlier, there's issues at uh, German airports, also at Lufthansa. The the pilots have uh, mm -hmm. overwhelmingly, I think it's more than 96%, 97% voted to strike. It seems like everybody is striking these days in every single country. Um, and um, so they're also canceling so thousands and thousands of flights and there's queues at the airport. So it's really the, the same thing. You know, a friend of mine, actually, she got, she got a, she was traveling from... Poland to Switzerland, and uh, she was flying with Lufthansa. Her flight got canceled, and she told me this. I know it's not going to make everybody happy, but she told me, oh, Germany is now France. They strike more than the French. <laughs> she ended up flying a lot, and she was very happy about them. Uh, so, yeah, I know. I, I just French bashed and German bashed in one single sentence here. Um, there was this article that I'm not going to read out loud because it's very long, but there was an article I need to find. I'll try to put the link on the show notes of uh, 
Lufthansa flight attendant that says that he's in his mid-30s, has been working for 11 years at Lufthansa, and says in this article, I think it was maybe in a Spiegel or whatever, that he has never experienced, maybe she was here, she, I cannot tell, I don't remember, never experienced such chaos in all the, the career. And, uh, and the thing that's was the most striking, it's a house of cards, like it cannot be fixed. As in, there's not even, there's not enough staff, but there's not enough staff to train the new staff. Mm. There's not enough people that have the right qualifications. So, and what's, because of all these things, it, uh, the airline apparently are, is stretching its own rules. So they have all, you know, the, the training, the yearly training, refresh, refresher courses that are supposed to do, they are either not happening or they're like super light. So, and that includes, you know, the evacuations on board, if there was an issue that, you know, these kind of things, we're not talking about, you know, how to use the IFE and how to say hello to a passenger, not the nice things, but also the important things. Yeah. And all these, all these are basically suspended. Um, uh, that which means that some flight attendants don't have valid licenses where they actually fly, <laughs> and so they cannot board the aircraft, which adds then to more staff shortages. Of course, is because I know no one won't talk talk about it, but they're still. And I think Eli Flair sent us, maybe sent you as well, but sent me at least messages. There's very high rate of absentees, absenteeism, sick days, basically, because of COVID. It's still, you know, again, COVID it doesn't kill, maybe, but, you know, yeah. you have, we said that a commission for a week or two, or even more if you have long COVID. So all this is putting the work for, uh, on its knees, and, 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 and suddenly... Uh, that in that same article, the, this flight editor says that they're asking for a crazy amount of hours and like everything is last minute. They, they need to change the schedule all the time. And uh, is, is he thinking, is she thinking about quitting? But it's really, they cannot have like a normal life. They don't know when they're going to fly, where they're going to fly, for how long they're going to be away. So if you have a family as a flight attendant, you cannot manage your your life. And it's it's because there's no um, advanced assignments of flights anymore oh. because they're really like a super, super uh, last minute. I had no idea it was as bad as this. And it's, it's purely chaos, right? So it's, uh, and yeah, so, and you received actually, you didn't receive that, but you received like me this email from was it the CEO? Probably not the CEO himself of, of apologizing on the, the all this yeah. mess. Uh, I think it was a month or two ago. And um, is it because of all that that they lost their five stars on Star <laughs> I think they never or were supposed to get a five. <laughs> I that I, with all of the um, Av geek snark on Twitter, that was the prevailing sentiment. It's like, okay, yeah. order has been restored. Yeah, order, exactly. Order has been restored. I mean, it was a promise of having better service and better, especially business class in the future, uh, which, by the way, never happened. The, uh, the, there's an irony there. They have received new 350s with, with seats, uh, pr like pretty much, I think, what Virgin has. Uh, so oh, okay. really good seats. Yeah. However, mm -mm. it is not their business class. What they did is because Philippine Airlines was in dire straits. They bought the brand new 350s from Philippine Airlines, fitted with Philippine Airlines seats, and then they just put a little bit of orange on them and said, these are our new seats. Now, <laughs> these are these four aircrafts are Philippine Airlines designed seats <laughs> procured for Philippine Airlines. And now you're going on the press and say, look, we have four new A350s with a new business class. No, 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 it's not guys. It's <laughs> Just oh, don't no. do that. 
Yeah, so there are four stars again, which, yeah, order has been restored in the Republic of, uh, of the, you know, the Empire. Uh, so, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the uh, so basically now all the five stars are again all in Asia. Yeah, yeah, which makes a uh, uh, Asia and Cathay, Cathay, they're not even flying. Eva, Garuda, Hainan, Japan Airlines, Hainan. Korean, Korean and Asiana for me, I don't understand if they're one or two, but they're still two brands. Qatar and Singapore, obviously. Um, yeah, so the um, I think they've they had. Lufthansa, they're, they're, they're not giving any food in the economy anymore, stuff like that. I mean, that's really... Oh, yeah, then you're going to lose your five star, your fifth star. Yeah, should it even be a, f a three? Oh, my God, now Lufthansa's <laughs> going to hate me for saying that. I'm, I'm still gold on them because they keep renewing me. Um, however, one good thing is that Deutsche Bahn, so the, the German uh, railway system, um, has, joined, has joined Star Alliance. Oh, yeah. I, I, I kind of like this, these ideas. Uh, I would love to, well, if I go to see you in Kent and use a train, I would love to have those on well and also I think obvious in europe continental europe where you have mainline rail service going right into the airports mm -hmm. selling it as a connection it makes complete sense yeah 100 no 100 you're absolutely right 100 um what else yes um <laughs> so we just talk about skytrax um david bizzer I think you know mm -hmm. him. Um, was in, he's based in Paris, a good friend of mine. And uh, he was at Charles de Gaulle, I think, uh, returned to the US. And he tells me, oh, there's a screen saying that uh, Charles de Gaulle was voted best airport in Europe by Skytrax. I'm like, what? I, How? Every freaking airport in the world seems to have that sign up at the same time. <laughs> yes, right. Is it a pay-to-play thing? I think it's a pay-to-play thing. I also think that there's so many categories like... I don't know. Best water fountains, according to Skytrack, means Skytrack, <laughs> Skytrack Gold Airport. You know, it's best water. Yes, it's nonsense. <laughs> I think so much of it. I mean, it is a pay-to-play thing, and I, I think the the huh. the more subjective editorial awards are far more valuable to the consumer than these yeah. ones that are just an industry circle jerk. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, no, absolutely, absolutely. I love your description. It's actually perfect. Um, and since we're on Charles de Gaulle, so Air France has revealed their new uh, interiors. They're really nice. Um, the first one was going to be on a triple seven, so ER. Uh, I think it will be in the autumn, in the fall, that was going to go to New York, and they have like new seats in uh, business class with a door. Very similar to what we've seen now on BA and, and Virgin and others. Um, they're made by Safran, so French made, mm -hmm. but they look very similar. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm at last seeing the big difference between that and BA's probably like the seat is angled in 48 degrees instead of 45 mm -hmm. degrees or something like that. And there's a baguette come hidden in somewhere in the seat. Uh, but <laughs> but no, they're really cool. Sorry, I was, I was, not, I was not dissing, but they're, they're really nice. And they, uh, the, the bed is two meters. Along, wow. so um, which for me You'll is fit. great because that's uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll fit because that's always for me I should I should maybe one day I should just do a, my own sky tracks about what where does which airlines have a, a a bed that can seat me because you know some of the great 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 products of this world in terms of premium products are not made for me no. <laughs> so no. uh, I'll I'll talk about that uh, next time um, we had a kind of a lot of feedback, but I didn't take much notes. I'm just going to mention, um, uh, since we're on, on Charlie Gold, uh, Dave Morales on, on Twitter, 
who said that of, he enjoyed uh, the recent episode and um, especially your description of, uh, I think it was Valencia. And he says that there's a new flagship uh, Air France Lounge at Charles de Gaulle 2F, which is spectacular. Mm. He even says it's very Cathay Pacific-ish. Oh. And having looked at the pictures, I now understand why there were works for so long at 2F. And in the, because be, be, before that, the lounge, maybe they still exist, they were like almost like hidden underground or something. Mm -hmm. It's magnificent. Oh, It's really, the out. pictures have not seen it. So uh, if you guys at, uh, are at Charles de Gaulle's and you have access to that lounge, please, please let us know because it looks really, really, really indeed spectacular, like Dave is uh, saying. And uh, Luca Belpassi, Uh, one of our uh, beloved listeners sent me an email and he's actually has seen an EasyJet aircraft where they removed seats. Oh, wow. They exist. So, and he was flying, I think, Linate to Gatwick, that's what he said, and uh, where he had the route 26 with his family and when he entered the aircraft, there was no seats on the route. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. So anyway, they were able, they were in the flight, the, the flight was apparently not full, so they were able to jiggle <laughs> the thing. But there was like, literally, there were seats that were missing. So it, it seems that the legend is true. Mm. Um, it has removed seats to allow for having less staff. Uh, if you guys have seen it, thanks, Luca, very much. Yeah. Um, and of course, he thanks us for this. He says, keep up the good work and layover. So thank That's you kind, very thank much, you, Luca. Man. But if you guys have seen all the crazy stories like that, please uh, let us uh, know. And finally, Emirates, which I haven't flown since uh, February, was it? And now another truck is passing by. Maybe you're going to hear it, guys. I'm sorry. Have you seen Emirates? Two billion dollars of upgrades to all their aircrafts. They, wow. Yeah, they've come out of this smelling like roses, haven't they? I mean, they've, they keep pushing for a 380 replacement, but they've also yes, they've continued to put their, quite their money where their mouth is and invested heavily in what is already a phenomenal product because they're not going what anywhere. i love about this is that you remember we talked about this and you've seen it as well you've, you've flown as well emirates that it depending on the aircraft you were in you could see like the the age of the product it was always the same but some were clearly installed like maybe eight years ago yeah. and someone saw like a year ago and you could see a feel a difference which is you know fair enough now they're doing going to do all their aircraft they're going to really of course they're going to put all the premium economy which have been announced so they're going to retrofit everything but they're going to retrofit every single class everything they they are in 380s and triple sevens Um, and I've read, I've taken the note because it was pretty crazy here. Um, they said, so they, they did trials in July, apparently, on the 380, where engineers took each cabin apart piece by piece and logged every step. They tested every single action, timed them and mapped them out. And now they know that they can do like an entire refit in 16 days. Wow. And so they will have, I think it's four planes... Is it more? I forgot now. I probably have it somewhere in my notes, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. Like in a really fast click, they're going to put them, do this thing, put them back on, on in service. And they're going to do first, I think, the 380s and then the 777s. Um, they need uh, 400,000 square meters of carpet, 68,000 kilograms of paint. Uh, 
and uh, a thousand man hours per day to actually wow. do that project. Yeah, it's it's and they're gonna really. I don't think we're gonna see like new. It's not gonna be like a new business class or a new the products. We know them, mm -hmm. but it's gonna they're all gonna be new and like in like fresh. And, and I suppose and the so proliferation forth. of the premium economy as well, where. And yeah, exactly. I think they, they took the opportunity to say, let's not just do the premium economy, let's refresh the yeah. entire thing. And I've I've never told a story I will tell, tell one day when I flew that first, you knew first of Emirates, this crazy seat when you have like these virtual windows and everything. The motifs were slightly different, slightly upgraded. And I think they will go along with that, which is more modern um, I would even say less tech mm. <laughs> yeah. approach to gold and wood. So, but I mean, you know, it's great. And, and they, they are, they, they say that they're, they're expecting a hundred percent capacity. So the return to full, uh, post COVID like next early next year. So they are like, they're on track. And like, uh, like you said, um, Tim wants absolutely wants Airbus to do a new, uh, Jumbo Something, jet, exactly high capacity airplane, yeah. Uh, because he says every single aircraft that leaves London is full, and they're all three eighties. They are they all full. There's no more capacity. It needs more capacity. And I read something here. I had just the numbers. He said there. Yeah. So the triple seven nine, whenever that comes to market, he says because of course, <laughs> in in their con in Emirates configuration will seat three hundred. Uh, and 64 people, uh, the 380 sits 484. So that's, you know, it's like significant 120 health, difference. It? Yeah. It's big, it's a big difference, right? And uh, and it's, and so he wants, like he says, whatever, a, a bigger 350 probably won't cut, cut the chase. So they, I don't know, 360, 379, yeah, 381 plus. I don't know what they're going to do. Pro Max. I, I mean, they've <laughs> said that we they would buy lots of them, whatever this airplane is, but I don't think that they would reopen the 380 production line for a single customer. No, I don't think so. And, and or they, uh, unless Emirates basically buys that line or something and just basically the UAE buys it because other other airlines are not keen to... No, there's no one else who's in the only, same boat. They don't have the model for it. No. Only Emirates does. But he says, and he's probably right, he says like, you know, the market towards the passenger traffic was growing by 4.5% per year before COVID and he's tracking to go that again. So it says in 10 years, no more capacity and everybody wants to go to the same airports. Um, yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you'll see Alex. Maybe you'll see like three eighties in Manston or something, <laughs> because there will not be any choice. There's not going to be enough room. You prove me wrong, Manston. Prove me wrong. And the um, yeah, they will have also uh, all the staff will go through a Swiss hospitality training for cabin crew. So um, it's probably you know the, the um, very famous hospitality schools. Of two or three out of the famous ones are in Switzerland, in Montreux and Lausanne. Um, there will be a cinema in the sky. I don't know what that means. I don't. I think it's only for first class. I don't understand. Maybe like an even bigger, bigger screen. I have no idea. Yeah. That's what they say in their press release. A cinema in the well, sky will be revealed once this... Uh, yeah, uh, I, lo I love that. And upgraded menus and forever caviar. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm happy I have miles because I want to fly them again. So, Alex... Uh, Tell us, you were exactly at one hour mark, I think. So tell us, 
maybe start with you simply your experience at Ethereum leaving to the US and then I'll let you speak. You have an hour. For oh, well, I don't know if I'll need an hour, but. No, I have other stuff in case you do less, but I mean, there's so much stuff. So go, I'll let you go. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I was thinking about this before the show that my BA Heathrow experience was unremarkable. And that is the highest Good. compliment I can pay. Yeah, exactly. You won that. It was, it was, the, the first wing was, was, was fine. Check-in was as expected. There were no, no hiccups this time, like last time where I was, the Department of State got involved. Um, so that was all, all, all fine. Security was what I expected. And I have to give a shout out to my kids, especially my boys, Luke and Jack, because they are just airport supremos. They know exactly. Like they put all of the amateurs to shame, all of these people faffing with it. They knew exactly what to do. They organized and prepared and they, you know, and, and they, they never let me down in airports. I'm always so proud of them anyway, but especially in airports and through, and we um, had lunch at the Wagamama there, uh, which I, I appreciate. I, I don't, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Wagamama. It's okay. I, I wouldn't go out of For my way to go lunch. there, but exactly. They at Heathrow, they have it down. It's, it's the right balance of speed and quality. And yeah. we were, that's what, it, yeah. We were a little pressed for time because I want the kids to be able to go run around a little bit to get a snack and and all of that. And we were out at the B gates. Um, and so we walked and they got a real kick out of being able to walk. And I got a kick out of them being able to burn off some energy um, before we, yeah. we got on. And, and it, yeah, it was all fine. Boarding, boarding was, it just, it all worked how I felt it used to work three or four years ago at Heathrow. And, the, even the fl the flight itself was remarkable in that it was the fullest flight I've seen. We were flying to San Jose and not to San Francisco. Um, a because it was cheaper. B because it's it's just easier for where I was going to end up. And we were we had a three, uh, and then my my eldest son was over the aisle across from me because he's old enough to take care of himself. But the the flight was very short for this time of year. It was 10 hours on the nose and hmm. we spent, and I tweeted about this because it was, to me, it was so remarkable. I'm going to, I'm going to pull up exactly what I said, but it was, it was, we spent the entire cruise almost before we got to Iceland at 43,000 feet. Oh yeah. You mentioned and the operational yeah. ceiling of the Dreamliner is 43,007 feet. And because I, I was looking at the, just I was looking at the uh, the moving map, thinking I don't ever recall being at forty. I think this is the highest I've ever been on any plane ever in my life. And I got you have your astronaut wings I, now. Yeah, I, I mean, you're not looking out the window <laughs> going, "Oh my god, look how high we are!" It doesn't feel any different whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we we screamed across the Atlantic and, and, and got there very, very quickly. And I tweeted and, and, and copied Mark Van Onneker, our, our friend and said, mm -hmm. is this, is this normal? And he, normal. I think he said something like, yeah, you'd be surprised how normal that is. Um, and I, and I, it was because clearly there was a, a very potent jet stream or we were avoiding wind at every other, yeah, exactly. every other flight level. But San Jose airport for international arrivals is a joy because you, you come in over Apple, the Apple headquarters, which is iconic. Mm -hmm. And then you land and you turn right onto your gate. 
That's it. It's like a, a, a 20 second taxi. Wow. And you're and there's no other international flights anywhere near that during the day. So yeah, I think I've done it once actually. Now that you say that, it's yeah. it's great. And you know the the immigration people were really friendly. The bags, like the 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 plane's nose is on the other side of the wall from the baggage hall. So people, mm -hmm. so the bags come off really quickly, and anything um, oversized or unusual, like uh, buggies or or car seats, you the guy just hands them through the wall from the airplane, um, and. So the, the, the you know and the crew were through. were they were fine. I mean they were they were busy. So I was I I haven't had the whole thank you for flying with us, thank you for being a goal, anything like that. I haven't had that in months and months and months and months and months. That's just gone. BAC, either is it either procedurally have eliminated oh, wow. it or just don't care. They just don't. You haven't. Had, I haven't uh, had that because in twenty when you were. Flying to see Megan a few times in 2020. Of course, you were alone in the flight. So by the definition, you probably had like, thank you, because you're the last person flying with us. But since then, no. No, but no even then, when those flights got busier, I was still getting that. And I haven't had it on short haul or long haul. And I don't really care. Wow. But it is no, such, of course. A, it's always, so low, yeah. it's such low hanging fruit from a customer experience perspective. I agree. To say, I agree. Thank you. They said that on every, you know, I'm Emerald because, you know, I'm not uh, on the privileged club for Qatar Airways, but because I'm gold on BA, the, every single time the head of cabin came, thanked me for my costume, you know, yeah. uh, again, we don't need it. But like you say, it's not, it's 20 seconds and, and most people love it. And the data is so readily available yeah. to yeah. every crew member because exactly. they all have these, I think they're iPhones. iPads. Um, yeah. And it's all there. It's right there. So it, yeah, it's all there. Exactly. I fully agree with you. It, it, sh it, it shouldn't That's be there. That's not a difficult touch point. It's one of the easiest, actually. It really <laughs> is. And it's, it's anyway, but I, San Jose, I, I, I was reminded of, of what a glorious international entry point that is uh, to the broader Bay Area. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I mean, again, like unremarkable. And that's, that's probably a good thing, given everything else that's going on in the world and with VA. <laughs> so I was, I was pleased yeah. with that. My kids were the least awful kids on the flight and there were a lot of kids oh, so they, I was proud of them um, but yeah and then uh, for the kids and I were together for a couple of weeks and did some stuff and then Megan and I had which is why by the way I sorry guys I said I think at the end of the last episode we'll do an episode once in the US and then I said you know what he's gonna be with his kids by himself so you know hard to find time to do two hours and then you're gonna have a holiday. Yes, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah. You're gonna tell Megan. Paul, I need to talk with Paul for two hours about my experience in airports, whilst I'm supposed to be on the beach or eating nice you know, Mexican food. I'm like, no way. Well, it's I'm funny you say that because holiday. the amount of times I was nudged by my wife and told, "Don't forget to tell Paul about that." <laughs> oh, are you? She's nice. Thanks. I haven't. I've never met her, but I already love her. Yeah. So there yeah. was, you know, it was definitely through that lens, and and you know, it's. It's a big part of my personality, so of course it just shines through. And we did this; we, we knew we were going to Mexico, and but we booked out of LAX for a, a week later than our um, departure on this road trip, and said, "Okay." Oh, so you first drove to LAX? Yeah, we wanted to do a road okay. trip down down California, and we had no agenda, no route, no hotels booked. All we knew is that we needed to be at LAX on a, on the Sunday, and we'd left Cal the Bay Area on the Monday. And everybody does Highway 1 down yeah. the edge of California, the coast of California. And it's beautiful, but we're Californians, so we've both done it. And it's the, you know, that box is, is ticked. Ticked, yeah. I am a big fan 
enthusiast of the California Central Valley for many, many reasons. And there are two big highways that run down the middle of California. There's I-5, Interstate 5, which runs from the top of the United States down to the bottom of the United States. Two lanes, very efficient. That's how everybody goes. Boring AF, nothing to see. And then there's 99, which was the original highway kind of that ran it's further east. And it, it goes right through the, the Central Valley, which is one of the most productive agricultural regions on earth. And I was like pitching. Is that where they do the almonds and stuff? They do everything. Almonds, olives, mm. beef, everything. It produces 70 plus percent of America's food, that space between the Bay Area and L.A., Yeah. And and you have I mean not to get too off track but you have okay. in the in the 19th century you had people coming from all over the world for the gold rush that then settled um to, uh, to establish farms and and these huge huge ranches but never left their kind of own cultural identity behind so you have these these yeah. villages where the predominant language is Portuguese Uh, or, 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 you know, Szechuanese or whatever. And it's, it's wonderful. And they, you know, and, and of course, all of the, the, the Central American and Latin American countries are heavily represented as well. So I, putting that all together, it's a very fascinating place to me. So we kind of meandered all the way down. We'd start inland and then curve back out to places like Morbay and Pismo Beach and Santa Barbara. And then, I was mapping it all out because I, I was the only one driving and I wanted to cap mm -hmm. my driving at like two and a half, three hours a day so that if we saw something weird or cool or interesting, we could go. Could just stop. stop. Yeah. And we went like from 99, we knew we wanted to go to the coast and we went past Lemoore Air Force Base by accident. It just, that's the way Google told us to go. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> I had noticed it and... This is what you told tell your wife, but don't tell well, us. Well, it's funny you say that because... This is an airport, this is an airport. I said, oh, we're going kind of near Lemoore Naval Air Station. And she, her eyes lit up. She's like, Top Gun? And I'm like, actually, kind of, yes, it is like Top Gun. Uh, and she's like, okay, well, we need to go by. And so... Again, like the route took us right by the entry gates. And as we did, two F-35s come screaming over our heads, like low to, to, to do a fast approach. And, and she was big Top Gun. I hope you had the music of Top Gun in the car. She was scrambling on her phone trying to find <laughs> it. But that was a really cool thing. Anyway, we got to Santa Barbara and Pismo Beach and, and Morbid, all these beautiful, spectacular places. And... I was thinking about routes and I was like, you know, I've, I want to show you more of Central California because I, I'm just fascinated by it. I'm passionate about it. And she said, you're always talking about that place in the desert where they store the airplanes. And I'm, I said, oh, uh, Mojave. And she said, let's go Mojave. there. And I was like, no, that's like, that's like five hours in the wrong direction. And, and, and she's like, are you sure? And I looked it up. I'm like, actually, it's not. It's not five hours in there. It's only a couple of hours. And so we could have easily kind of amputated that leg of the trip and carried on down to Elia, but she was adamant. And it's such an interesting drive. From, she gets you, man. She, yeah, and, which, which I really appreciate. And we, we drove through, um, you know, basically east from Santa Barbara mm -hmm. to, and the route takes you through Palmdale, and Lancaster, which are these two towns on the other side of the hills from L.A. It's also home to very, very big logistical airports. No 
commercial services, big yeah. cargo airports. Cargo, yeah. So yeah. all of the major cargo companies have uh, a presence there. Lancaster, Palmdale, a lot of AV geeks' ears are twitching right now because it comes up a lot. It's also where Lockheed Skunk Works have a yeah. major presence. I mean, they're ostensibly based at Burbank, but they build things at this airport. And so we drove drove past that. And there's this weird little thing called the Blackbird Air Park right in front of, and this is the, f- the first time we got yelled at by for trespassing on federal property. <laughs> but there's all of these like NASA buildings and uh-huh. uh, Lockheed and Boeing, like where they do a lot of con, you know, the hypersensitive, yeah development and r&d and yeah and we parked at this little shop because there's this there's two sr-71 blackbirds two in the same place nose to nose like like they're just right there in front of you they're on the edge of this two-lane road what and it's available you can go in like i think it's run by volunteers you can go on saturdays and sundays i think it was a thursday for us and we parked and the guy's like hey you can't park there do you see all the signs and he's like are you here to see the blackbirds and i was like yeah yeah and he's like Puts whispers like park on the other side of that building and I won't tell anybody. And, and he's oh, like, you get a way better vantage nice. point. He's like, don't forget the seven forty seven. And I was like, the what now? What? <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful to see these two blackbirds. And then around the corner is the NASA seven forty seven that no was way. built to carry the space shuttle. Oh, I saw it when I was a kid, like actually carrying the. Oh my god! Yeah. You're so, just parked wow. by the side of the road with its brackets no and its way. weird. Uh, uh, extensions to the to the tail structure. Yeah. No way. And do you think is it? Did they remove the engines, or is it still? Uh, uh, you know, I can't. Remember. Did it feel like abandoned? No, no, or it, it was like curated. Just... It was there. It was curated, and they were in amongst oh, like a. That's so cool. There was a. I was five years old when I saw that in in Florida, near to next to Cap Canaveral, and I saw the freaking thing land with. I the, see now that I can't whichever. even imagine. What? Oh my. But it was, it was because it's a NASA heavy area. They were all ex NASA aircraft. Um, there was a U two and a few other experimentals and training. Like one of the ones that looks like the, I think it's a Sukhoi with the, with the wings on the engines on top of the wing. That one. Anyway, we we drove up to this, and it does sound like unnecessarily aviation heavy. A lot of it was from pressure from my wife to do the, you know, just. Pressure, pressure. Well, that's not pressure because uh, she wanted me to like uh, and share my enthusiasm with her. And we, we of course, we, we were going through, and the name escapes me. It's going to irritate me. Um, on the way to Mojave, there was this. We were both getting really hungry, and there was this town, Rosalind, Rosalind, California, Rosamund, California, and we found this pizza joint or sports bar kind of place. And it was in, and and there's not a whole lot in this town at all. So we go into this pizza joint and sit out and there's like a, it's beautiful. It's in the, are you going to tell me you just met an alien there just having lunch? Just ordering. It was, well, it made the pizza and the pizza was was fine, but we're sitting there and there's like, you know, it's in the high desert. So it's, it's Mm -hmm. hot AF, but beautiful. I love that type of, uh, that landscape. We're sitting there having a beer and, you know, there's just a bunch of locals in there and then a patio out behind the the restaurant except it wasn't a patio it was a runway <laughs> and because this plane lands and i was like what the f- what 
What? And it was one of those places that you see all over Florida where it was a planned community. And instead of everybody having garages, they have hangars. That's so cool. Private airfield. Anyway, that was so that was I'd never been to one of those before. I, you know, I thought they were like the, the cool. legend of John Travolta. Um, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. Uh, and we ended up at Mojave in the evening. And, and you ask Megan now, even to this day, and she will tell you the highlight of the entire trip was Mojave. Not just be- is it is it open twenty four seven? Can just well, it's go? a town, and I think that the weirdness of the town was the highlight for her because it's okay. It is a huge railroad intersection before mm-hmm. they branched to Bakersfield, and then north to the Bay Area and the coasts, or south, sort of southeast towards L.A. or the kind of L.A. basin. So there's this huge miles long trains it's one of the biggest wind farms and the first wind farms in the world in the u.s uh up in the hills there which it, i think there's a scene in terminator too if you think about the the, the wind farms that's it yeah, yeah, yeah and then of course in the distance you have um the 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 shadow of uh mojave air and spaceport and all of the big planes in the distance and as soon as the sun went down, you had all of the weird air traffic starting again with all of the guys from Edwards coming, which is right next door. The yeah. basin of Edwards Air Force Base sits up against Mojave Air and Spaceport. And so they take off and they're doing whatever the hell it is they're doing. And she sat on the balcony of our crappy little motel because that's all there is in Mojave. What's that? What's that? What is that? Is, what are they doing? I'm like, I, I, it's not showing up on flight rider. I can tell you that right now, but it's such a strange, strange town that it deserves its own documentary or something. And it, that's even taking the airplanes aside out of the question. Yeah, it's just a that, weird yeah. vibe. And, the next morning, there's a there's a uh, a little diner on the flight line at Mojave Air and Spaceport that is crap, but it's great because it's crap. It's just classic yeah, American yeah, yeah, diner I know the feeling, yeah. on the flight line, and you yeah. can see all of the um, all of the storage yards. And I hadn't been to Mojave in a very long time. I think I dragged Will and Greg up there after we finished filming our LA episode, and that was in like LA. 20. I think you mentioned it, yes. I can't remember. 16, yeah, it was a long time no, ago. 17. But yeah, what anyway. surprised me was on the flight line, there were Mojave is usually is is more of a graveyard than a storage unit. It's where planes go yeah, to die and to be do. turned into beer cans. But there was on this other side of from away from the you know the cemetery was this yep. line of airplanes that were all brand new. There was a China Southern A380, um, and then a Jet Airways 777. God knows where that's going to end up. And then maybe half a dozen each JAL and ANA 777s and 787s. Wow. Which were which were clearly being maintained and stored for yeah, imminent storage. Yeah, return yeah, yeah. to service. Um, wow. And I went down to the office and asked, the, you know, because they used to do tours. And she said, it's not doing tours, but we actually make a map for people like you now. And, and she's like, you can go here and here and here. And you should probably go. I'm not supposed to tell you this, but you should go over here and have a look. And so I went, of course, to the X marks you, the spot. Can you, you drive in there you or drive you walk? In the, the, it's a very strange airport because it's just... 
kind of a mishmash of these buildings. And one of them is like Virgin Galactic. And the other is, um, is scaled composites and, and people like that. And then on the other side of a, of a fairly substantial wired fence are big hangers for Lockheed and big hangers for NASA, mainly in the propulsion area. And I went to the X marks the spot mm -hmm. and there was the Virgin orbit X Virgin Atlantic oh, wow. 747. And so you could go right up to that. Oh. And it had the, the pod connected in between the number one and two engines where they launch whatever the hell it is they launch from there. And I kept saying to Megan, like, we can go. And she's like, no, like, what's that? And who, what are they making there? And most of the time I've got no clue, but it was, it's, it's one of those places that's just, it's, it's legendary what they, what has come out of there and what they do there. And it's, it was absolutely worth the trip to do that. And then like back to, Amazing. you know, you can drive from there to LA in two hours. And so we ended up <clears throat> at LAX and had, had it in and out because that was like on her These are the list of things we need to do list. That's what you need to do when you're at LAX. And we were staying right there and, and, it's, it's cool and she was like you know you only wanted to see the big dogs that she's like i want to be able to feel it in my chest when they fly over and so you know you had a couple of those um but we actually wanted to get to la a day early because for my birthday i was given by mm -hmm. megan i know a flight mm -hmm. she's like i don't know what i and you have to i can't book it for you because i don't really know what i'm doing and so she said you should prick between like a flight in an old plane or just going flying. And I consulted you on this decision. <clears throat> yeah, we discussed it. And I did the math. All the options you provided me with were amazing. Yeah. So it was, I don't know. I narrowed it down to Two. a T6, uh, a flight in a yeah. T6 out of um, uh, somewhere in Southern California or uh, just a, f a flight. But the flight I wanted to do came to me I think Sam Chui had done something similar was if I wanted to fly, I wanted to fly the airplane myself and get back to doing that. But I wanted to go to Victorville. I wanted to go to fly and do touch and goes at Victorville. And I call, I, I messaged this flight uh, school in Torrance in California, Southern California, just outside of LAX and said, this is going to sound weird, but, and they're like, yeah, of course absolutely you you pay for the plane you could do what you want within reason and so it was with the, the sling aviation academy uh, out of torrance airport and i met the instructor and i told him what i wanted to do he's like that, that sounds awesome let's go and it's in a a sling airplane which is a south african kit plane yeah which i had i had heard rumblings of like maybe four or five years ago but then completely forgotten about and what a fantastic little airplane it was stick and th and throttle like the way i learned how to fly canopy my uh my um instructor was like hey you know you've you're gonna do all of this i'm just gonna work the radios um because you've flown before so i taxied it out and he the whole plane was glass there's not a single mm -hmm. steam gauge in the entire airplane not one and so uh -huh. i was a little out of my comfort zone actually and so he he's like okay well just you know how to the physics of an airplane don't change just because it has glass just yeah. take the plane off yeah. and these are the speeds you need to look for and then we'll go from there he showed me how to use this garmin 
panel and it was really, really neat. And you're, I'd never flown in Southern California before. And immediately out of taking off out of Torrance, you are in contact with Long Beach airport because you're flying through their airspace. Um, and so you're looking down on Long Beach airport and then you're hearing planes going into LAX and we flew to Seal Beach, if you know California, and then turned towards Victorville. And Victorville is on the other side of these fairly significant, we're talking sort of five and a half thousand feet range of hills, and you aim for the middle of it, and it gets a little choppy, but it was good, fun, real flying. And when you get through the pass, <clears throat> the elevation changes significantly because it's on this sort of plateau. LA, of course, the whole LA basin is ostensibly at sea level. And you go up and of course everything changes and it's a completely different landscape. And then in the distance materializes all of these airplanes. And the airport is in the middle of nowhere. And Victorville is in itself. There's not a lot there. It's just sort of desert, breaking bad suburbs. Not even suburbs. Just rural. And then there's this huge airport. And he's like, okay. You want to land it or do you want to take pictures? And I was like, can I fly and you take pictures? And he's like, yeah, of course. And coming in, I, I got a, um, I, I didn't, I, he didn't take that many pictures because he was also trying to make sure I didn't crash the airplane um, because I hadn't done a lot of <laughs> flying in, in, in a while. But there must have been easily 100 airplanes, uh, airliners there yeah. uh the vast majority of it were fedex but you name an airline and they had an airplane there at least one airplane um all almost all of which unlike mojave could, could probably be put back into service within a week um yeah i think they they have a capacity for like 500 600 aircraft yeah there. i think this is one of their specialty and, and he said and i thought wow, this is i've never seen anything like this and he said oh man when i came here last year i think there was probably twice as, as many airplanes which yeah, you know you sure. could believe wow. but oman air latam air europa etihad eva china southern um the vast majority of dreamliners um qantas used it as their long their heavy storage area so there were dreamliners two or three a380s of theirs some in various states of kind of preparation for storage like completely covered every possible it windows everything and then others yeah, everything yeah the guys said that the an a380 had just left had gone back home to be gone to, to go back into service and i'm sort of like trying to land the airplane the first time i landed an airplane in at least a year which uh, runway uh it would have been on no because if i remember correctly there's like uh there's one of the runways was super super long because of the heat so they had to kind of say fifteen thousand. yeah it was that they one. had to like do like a super long just because of heavies that had to you know because of the heat to take more i think the big southerly so runway we landed on and so a lot of room for error um <laughs> And I did it. I'm kind of like <laughs> trying to land, trying to my best to land the airplane, and also kind of look out the side of my, you know, to see what I could see, and um, and flew back and all that stuff. And you know, fly, flying back was great, and you know, gave us more of an opportunity to, to talk. But you're you're coming into very very busy airspace, and then a triple seven flies over the top of you, heading to LAX from I think Hawaii, and you're like, man, this is like 
this is super cool. So that, thank you, yeah. Megan, for that experience. I logged two and a half hours of flying, which was that's awesome. Yeah, that was, that was, thank you, Megan. Yeah, that was. Uh, we had the story as well. It was great, and Victor was massive bucket list for me. I wish I could have spent more time there. You can't land there um, as a because I think the landing fees are insane. A and they don't really want to encourage kind of AV geek tourism. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that I mean, that, maybe. that was awesome for me and kind of rekindled my my desire to get back into the into the cockpit. But yeah, I mean, and I'll talk briefly about the flights to and to and from Mexico. But no, oh, don't worry, go go go. We have uh, half an hour. You have all the time you need. Yeah, I mean, for me, though, those weird kind of AV geek esoterica were the highlights. Uh, from an from, yeah, from an aviation perspective for me. But I think, yeah. you know, I don't travel much domestically in the U.S., so I'm always sort of slightly more... Um, I'm, 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 I'm listening and looking a little bit more than I would if I was going to Frankfurt or, you know, so or, or Spain, because it's... Because from, from, from LAX, where were you flying to? We flew to Cabo. Um, but, I mean, the routing was directly... LAX, Cabo, Cabo and Delta, 737-900. And... So it was good in terminal terminal yeah, three um i've not spent much time in at all even though i think and what first of all why did you choose cho 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 delta was it because all timings, everything was just easier in terms of timings thing? and cost um it just ended up yeah. being being the, the best. you're gonna make a lot of people happy to have flown delta we have a lot of delta fans when i wanted to try it i wanted to see what would happen as well with this with the con continuing um, at least sort of status matching and benefit that they have with Virgin Atlantic. I wanted to see what my gold uh, would, yeah, with Atlantic would, would yield the to other. Delta. Spoiler. You're right. I have gold. Why did I not on Virgin? I should try Delta before I miss or lose the gold on Virgin. It didn't mean a whole lot. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, turn. Yeah. Terminal three was easy. TSA pre-checked security. It was was fine. Breeze. There was only three or four people ahead of us. And then to the lounge. And I go into the lounge and to the. They have this sort of downstairs entry area with five or six desks. And I said, Yeah. I'm, you know, show my boarding card. She's like, Are you are you Delta? Whatever the hell they are. Um, premium, Ultra, Platinum, Turbo. <laughs> exactly. And I said, no, I'm Virgin Atlantic Gold. And she's like, uh, okay. She's like, okay. and she pulls out this chart and she's like, okay, Virgin Atlantic Gold uh, traveling domestically. I'm like, no, it's not domestic. I'm going to Mexico. She's like, yeah, but it's not ticketed on from, hey, Karen, can he, can she, blah, 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 blah. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. Check what happens if you scan. That's it. very, you know what? What you're describing there is so very American domestic. Every single time I had to find I don't know if it's your experience, but it's always they don't know this. Well, no, and I and it's so she, the chart that she had this laminated piece of, of paper, I was okay. so complicated, and I and I and I and I said, what happens <laughs> if I scan it? And she scans it, and she's like, it says it doesn't give me anything definitive, and so I'm like going through oh. my wallet, and I'm like, I got, I got one what? of these, and I got one of these, and I got one of these, <laughs> and she's like, okay, well we can get you in on this one, the American Express, and she's like, and we can get yeah. your wife in on this one, my priority pass, and so my status with Virgin did not mean anything Didn't. to get me into the lounge, oh. but we got in there, and I I was showing you pictures, and it was interesting. We had a conversation because Mel had had an experience there as well, but it's. It was, a, to me, a very cool lounge because it had this t terrace area that, 
okay, yes, it had 10 foot glass, but then it was open to the elements and you could yeah. smell the jet fuel and hear the planes landing and see them as they just passed in and out. And that for me is like, that's all I need on top of pretty good food, pretty good coffee. But then of course you go to the bar and you're like, can I have this? And I'm like, They've got this chart of what drinks you can get for free. Uh, this is so mad. And I man. get it's a business, but it was it was Yeah, but it's so much different from what we used to in Asia and in Europe. In Europe, when you're in a lounge, basically everything in the lounge is free. Yeah. Right? There's no like additional no cost. No Maybe some of the number one, you know, the the non airline yes. lounge will have some system of paying, but literally every single in, in Asia in particular Everything that is in the lounge is yeah. free. You can sit on any seat and it's free. The sofa, you don't have to pay for it. No, I'm kidding. But yeah, it's very um, weird. For it us. is weird. But I, I know you're more used to you, you yourself. You're more used to it. But I, every time I I'm can like, I kind of see what? the rationale where if you, uh, me too, people are particularly loyal to a, uh, a top shelf vodka or whatever. They're going to pay the five bucks because they can probably expense it. Yeah, true. Um, oh, true. But you know, it was, a, it was a morning flight. So there was a breakfast but hold on before before it should be so easy to have instead of having a chart to have like like you just mentioned at the entrance something that is just digital and you know yeah. right away you know what is it free what yeah. is not instead of having to go to chart. Anyway, yeah no you're right sorry, you're right and i mean from, from it should be easier from a lounge yeah. perspective it was good the food was 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 pretty good and the like every kind of coffee they all all these american lounges have these these vending machines for any type of coffee as well as drip coffee. And then the, the, the Coke machines where you can make all these weird combinations, but I liked it as a lounge. It was very light and, and airy and, but T, what did I say? It was T three three is going through a bit of a renovation. So when you get down to the gate, there's like temporary shops. They had the only permanent shop and my kids lost their minds. When I told them this, they, have a i wrote it down because they play so many uh a call of duty modern warfare no. cafe <laughs> no where way. you can like there was like 10 or 12 um uh, workstations set up where you can just go and smash it. and my kids were like we need to go there now and uh, play that but the so the in turn the only thing that that got me uh, the only benefit i got from being gold on atlantic was um I think I was in the second highest priority group for boarding. Oh. And in terms of picking seats, I didn't have to pay for any of that, uh, where I think ordinarily... Even, Including for Megan. Yeah, because, because we were on right? the same PNR, so she inherited those benefits. And um, so even things like exit rows or, or whatever, there's, of course, there's five different economy seats in, uh, that you had to pick from. And I, I had booked for Megan the weird seats you get sometimes where they're next to the econ the emergency exit so there's no seat in front of them so you have unlimited leg room. Leg room. Yeah. she would not she refused to take it um and made what? and made me Why? take it oh well which true. which I, I appreciated but i always joke i think whenever i fly i always post on instagram or something like your ife screen which is nice they all have i is like a good 10 feet in front of you and my remote didn't it's a touch screen it's so a, you my remote didn't work either because you have like one of the panasonic <laughs> and i every every time i wanted to just like put the map on i had to do this awkward thing and my face would go right next to the person in the seat in front of me 
I just gave up. But Delta Refine, they do like a, a snack and soda service, and it was a very yeah. like two and a bit hours to, to Cabo. Yes, it's fine. But we landed in Cabo during the mother of all thunderstorms, and so it was a wild ride down into, into Cabo San Lucas Airport, SJD. Uh, you're rolling around and you're you're shaking and all of that stuff. Um, and entry into Mexico is still quite a bureaucratic process. A lot of paperwork to fill in. I mean, there because of COVID. No, there's always been that way. As long yeah. as I can remember, okay. every every I think I've flown into five or six airports in Mexico. It's always the same. Lots and lots of. Uh, it's been a while for me. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of paperwork. That's why I didn't, but. Really? Yeah, you mentioned because you remember when we we talked about what was it Monterey? Exactly. You that, that was uh, my first exposure to it. Um, anyway, you know, it's you fun. mentioned all the people, and then of course, you know, Cabo is that whole part of Mexico is very popular with Americans, and so yeah, of course, yeah. a lot of flights landing from all over the U.S. Maybe two hundred people in immigration ahead of us. It took. That's why they consider it almost as a domestic when yeah. you were and, trying well, to yeah. get into that. And it only took twenty minutes. Yeah. They knew they just zipped us through, and I, I. We didn't spend any time in Cabo. It wasn't a place that attracted us. And then we rented a car and spent the next five days bouncing around the southern tip of Baja, California. Right. And it was we didn't book any hotels in advance. We just... Same than before, just, just drove and... Where the wind took us, we nice. discovered some... I tried to document as much as I could on, on Instagram um, just for... I saw a lot of food. They seemed really I mean, roadside tacos are the best kind of taco. Exactly. It was great. It was oh great. And um, just a, a great part of Mexico. I would love to, to spend more time there, these little villages where the quote unquote original Hotel California is, um, which obviously oh. can't be uh-huh. because it's an idea, it's not a place. Um, yeah, exactly. But in a beautiful little, t- little, little town. You know your lyrics, yeah. but La Paz, like so, we we decided to to fly into Cabo and then out of La Paz, which is just around the peninsula from Cabo. And we should repeat La Paz, Mexico, the one there, and not, not in Bolivia. That would have been a hell of a road trip. <laughs> which and with the idea of we would slowly drive, but actually we fell in love with this little town on the Pacific coast. And stayed there and just ended up... Oh, nice. We spent a day in La Paz, which was a cool city in and of itself. But the airport is kind of... Like, you go on Wikipedia and you read about the airport, and there's, there's like, two sentences. It's not like every other airport where it's like, here's the history and all these things happen. Yeah. Here's all the airlines and all. There's, like, two sentences. There's... there's is it a big airport no. or like is it, it, it it's one of those airports that there's general aviation traffic there's the mexican federal police there's the coast guard it's definitely the definition of multi-use it's an it's yeah it's a single air runway airport where you turn around at the end of the runway and come back like it's also used as a taxiway because it's so quiet the flight we took was american airlines it's only like once a week or once or twice a week, oh, wow. so it's oh, okay. and and it it's a it's a, it's home to these airlines. Like I was looking around, but you were flying to we Phoenix were flying to Phoenix because right? that was there was no other service. Oh, so that was the flight for one week was the one to yeah. Phoenix. So you flew one to, to Phoenix and yeah. one to Dallas. I think at some point in the week, but you look around, you know, like never heard of that airline, never heard of that airline, never heard of that airline, oh. and of course. Aeromexico, Viva Aerobus, Volaris, the big Mexican, but also TAR, mm. 
Calafia, Calafia, Aromar, never heard of them. There are these little regional domestic Mexican carriers with ATRs and ERJs and things like that. Neat, neat to see, like, not just one, but three airlines I've never heard of. And it was the home, La Paz Airport was the home of Aero California. Oh. Which was a pretty significant Mexican airline. Oh, I know. Uh, in, from 1960, they had started with DC-3s. And they ended and they ran out of money in 2008. But they, you'd see them in LAX all the time. Yeah. And at the, and the edge of the airport is this row of eight dilapidated DC-9s. Oh, wow. You can see Aero oh. California DC-9s. Yeah. That, wow. Just sitting there. Um, and obviously they haven't been touched since 2008. So very, very cool to see. And, and the, it's, of course, it's like a walkout to the airplane type of deal. So the, this American airlines, I can't even, I think it's Sky West, Mitsubishi CRJ, whatever they want. Yeah. Cause it's, Oh yeah. Oh, so <laughs> it's a Mitsubishi CRJ pulls up, people get off. Not many 15, the cabin crew are also pulling the bags off the airplane and then we're escorted out onto this you climb up the up the stairs that are built into the aircraft door which is feels like real flying onto this dark <laughs> cabin because they have all the window shades closed because it was really effing hot hot yeah nice mood lighting and th- this is the main difference one of the main differences between regional travel in the u.s and regional travel in europe and we've gone over this but even on a tiny little rj there were first-class seats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There may be... That's a, I don't know. This, this difference of culture, of yeah. philosophy, it's I true. I mean, from, yeah. a, from a revenue management perspective, it seems insane to me because you can't adjust the capacity. Like, that's the, that's the business thinking why we don't have that here in Europe is that I can sell... Yeah. Is like 20 rows of business class seat if the if the demand is there because i just yeah well, that them. happens when you go to mobile world congress in in exactly. barcelona from here you basically the entire aircraft is in business class because they just yeah. move the middle seat they, i mean they just block it they don't yeah, do that exactly. and, and it was a very kind of casual flight and you know you get same deal you get a drink service and some peanuts or whatever and it, it was a two I'm, I'm wondering sorry to interrupt i'm wondering if they also kind of not, I mean, first of all, planes could be, you know, various routes and some routes it makes obviously sense to have the first class, but maybe they just can't remove them because it would be like such an uproar for all the very loyal flyers that usually fly first class that if they were to be given a seat like in Europe in business class, whatever, they would just not accept it. So they just don't dare doing that and just they keep their these first fly, first class yeah, seats. Yeah, I... And they're just I, locked into that. I maybe. don't know. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the first class cabin, I think, was pretty full. And I think a lot of it was status upgrades. Um, yeah, well, as always. Or, 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 or whatever. But it was a... It's a very interesting flight because you fly basically up the middle of the Gulf of California, um, which is, is stunning. And then cross the border in southern Arizona... And that just makes you appreciate just how gargantuan the United States is because you're just flying and flying and flying and flying. And there's all these little weird airfields in the middle of nowhere. These odd little airports, the combination of dirt runways and cement. And you're like, what the hell? And I'm trying to find it. Like, what could that have? There's nothing on the map. What is that? 
Um, and into Phoenix is cool. Flying into Phoenix because you fly in kind of over the city. And of course, it was all, uh, yeah, beginning of August. It was 187 degrees in Phoenix. And so you're getting all the thermals and you're bouncing all over the place. And it's, it's kind of fun. But I hadn't been to Phoenix Airport in a very, very long time. I've forgotten how much I liked that airport. It's clearly been upgraded, but it's a... F- As it, for me, it's been uh, 20, 2011, last time I probably th- I've been I to Phoenix I think 2013, 2014 was the last time I was oh, yeah, there. It's been after me. And it's... I like it, yeah. but I didn't... Did you just do a layover or did you actually... Did you stay there? We did a layover. Uh, we That's where we experienced the whole, you don't need to show me your passport, just look at the camera and go ahead. That was our coming into the United oh. States. And it was... So it's cool. frictionless, absolutely frictionless. Is it? Did they know you were American? It was it all for every single person? It or was, was it for American citizens. Citizens. You know what I mean? I think I'd have to double check, but it's I like think if I were, or maybe uh, someone would be with a Mexican passport, maybe the passport. Yeah, I think it was. Just, I don't know. I'm it just, was just citizens, and then we, I had to. Wonder. I checked the bag. Um, I can't remember why I checked the bag, but I checked the bag, um, and it was. Yeah. and I was looking at my clock because we were on unconnected flights. Oh, it's a separate so not tickets. protected by, and we were on time, and the flight was on, was early actually. Um, but I was looking at the clock getting antsy, and then of course my our connecting flight was posted a delay before we even got there. So okay. I was like, okay, bags come out, and then took the Sky Train over to the terminal that our flight was leaving from. And when, which was brand new, and forgive me, Phoenicians, I can't remember which terminal it was, but it was beautiful, light, airy, polished, clearly either a new terminal or been refurbished. We tried the American Express Centurion Lounge there, um, which was... Did you get access with your Amex? Yeah, yeah. and those are usually pretty good, although the services were limited because they had an issue with their kitchen, so we bailed and went to Shake Shack. (laughs) 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 <laughs> that's a better idea yeah and so you know th- but to kind of give you an example of the amenities they had in that terminal and then it was a alaska airlines uh e170 flight to san francisco and i think that's all that needs to be said about that <laughs> there was literally nothing other than the dude in front of me was one of the most annoying people i've ever met but it was unremarkable in every possible way but isn't that alaska's business model to be an unremarkable alaska's business model yeah all right i mean i flew them once and it was yeah i forgot everything about it which probably is like you know it's like in uh what's a movie with uh will smith um, with the aliens oh men in black yeah yeah and they have this light and you're like you forgot as soon as you land they flash you and you forgot about your yeah. experience and that's probably their business yeah. model and it was it was late and that it didn't really matter because we had nowhere to be um, and it was the same kind of soda and peanut service as, as everybody else. Um, they don't have IFE or anything uh, like that. And that didn't really matter. Um, but it, yeah, why not? It just, yeah. there's, there's nothing remarkable <laughs> ab- about it at all. You know, into San Francisco and into, into terminal two, um, and then out, but yeah, again, 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 and then flying, flying, flying back to the UK, um, out of San Jose, I have never, well, maybe I say this a lot, I don't think I've had a more surly BA crew. Oh. Like, wow. Aggressive to some passengers. Oh. Yeah. What? 
Why? Uh, like just generally, just generally so? Or? I, they, were, I, they were at best oh. disinterested and at worst surly and aggressive. Okay, that's really yeah. bad. And w- we had oh, the God. bulkhead, which um, was finding you know, a lot more leg room. But of course, the armrests don't go up. Yeah. And you know, I don't think either of us slept particularly well. But it was awkward at points where they were berating passengers for not really doing anything. What? Yeah. Um, the guy was, there was a guy in the, in the exit row where they were doing the safety demonstration and he was putting his phone on airplane mode and the flight attendant broke off the safety demonstration to say, put your phone away. I've told you before, if I have to tell you again, blah, 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 blah. And he was like, I I was doing what you just told me that's, to do. That's, that sounds like Lufthansa to me. No, oh man. <laughs> no, just because I had once in Lufthansa. For, it was, really? it was that's it bad. Bad. And then... An, Maybe they just overworked? I, I, I mean, it's not that I'm giving him an excuse because I just find that generally... But it was the beginning of the flight. I mean, you like think that. that if you're going to have any reserves of charm left, it'll be at the beginning. It was just... Yeah, yeah exactly. It wasn't... <laughs> it wasn't... I mean, I sent you a picture of the, of the meal that we were served. Oh. And it was foul. Just yeah. disgusting. Oh. Uh, and just embarrassing and so i just that was a flight to forget but and i sent i sent you this because you sent me a little one panel comic strip about um i think just airport experiences in general when we landed at heathrow early we were our gate was ready for us um the the we took the bus because or the uh, train because we were um, we were just tired and didn't really want to walk got there no one in immigration straight through Baggage hall was quiet and and empty, pretty much empty. I had priority tags on my bags, and they were both off within the first ten bags. We didn't have to wait at all, and my car was waiting when that's we left. Great. And I was like, okay, what? So, and I think that's why at the top of the show, I caught myself and said, you know, maybe this yeah. is yielding change at Heathrow. I think it is. I think by definition, it's better. I'll tell the story when I had to wait 80 minutes to get a gate in May. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have to wait a gate in May and in in July this in sorry in August this time, right? So it, it there's a reason they're capping. We might not be happy about it, but uh, I'm, I'm I'm a bit shocked. Not shocked is it? Because are we shocked about anything about BA anymore? But uh, that the the crew was that. I mean, I get maybe they're overworked, as I said, or something. But it's it's it's. It was very strange. You know, so many, so many, so many f- people, uh, I was about to say friends, but so many people uh, just l- last week in Pakistan were telling me, so what's the deal with BA? Mm. Like, it's, it, it's a phrase that everybody says, like, and when I ask further, they all say, yeah, but it used to be one of these, you know, for us, it was the, the yeah. airline, you know, but the, the reputation, um, the fact that, you know, they came up with the business class seats first and et cetera. And, and now, I mean, people are like, and they were asking me, so did you fly BA? I was like, no, oh, you're right. You, should, you shouldn't. And like, it's sad that it come to this. And it's sad, by the way, that I didn't, I'll tell the story next time, but I had a choice. So I had a budget, right? And then I was looking at the best price, obviously, because I didn't want also, it was very, very, very last minute. I could have done the way in with, uh, so going to Islamabad with Qatar Airways and coming back with BA because I, I booked, and I'll tell the story next time again, I booked my flights on BA.com mm-hmm. and not on Qatar Airways just because it was cheaper. 
And I didn't. I ended up still flying back with Qatar, which in pure time-wise is stupid because I'm losing time doing a connection in Qatar and because I don't trust yeah. the experience. And it's sad, it sad that I have to do this. And I don't have your you know, story about your history with, with BA because for me it's a very recent, it's like 12 years of true history with BA, 10 or whatever. It's... Um, I'm not saying that it's over and whatever. I'm just saying that it seems that a lot of people that I talk to, simply by the fact that I live in London, they say, oh, what about BA? Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> I don't know what to answer. I mean, the, the one noticeable change in the service is that now you get a hot second meal, whereas before it was half a sandwich and a Kit Kat. Now you get a second. But... The flip side of that was I was asleep when they were starting to serve breakfast and it smelled so bad that it woke me up. Like I woke up, what, and I was, what is that? What the hell is that smell? And I, I kind of went back to sleep and, and Megan said, it actually didn't taste that bad. It was better than dinner. Okay, she tried. Um, but it's, there's, I don't know what they need to do to improve. I mean, clearly Heathrow is getting there. It's true. I think so. And too. and yeah. the check-in staff again are are I don't think I've had a, I don't think I've had any problems with them throughout this. I mean, they've they've been frontline and all of that. Do you use the first wing? We use the first wing and and with the the we didn't go we we couldn't go into the lounge because there was too many of us, but Yeah, okay, but you use the fast. But even in even in the the visits I've had to the lounge lately, they it's getting better and better and getting more and more improved but the in-flight experience from a service and, and soft product it's just they've got to fix it but what is really what saddens me and again maybe it's just a bad day is that yes service is one thing but if the people are also surly or like you said they're in a bad mood or they're aggressive that's just you, that you, i mean this is not a catering problem no. here I mean, there's definitely a catering problem, but it's not the only thing. I mean, there's yeah. much more. It feels like a cultural, uh, corporate culture thing. Uh, maybe people have had enough, and maybe they're just... Uh, and I get all that. Yeah, me too. I was, yeah, but I was going to say. The thing is, I get this. You know, if I, if I would maybe mistreated, maybe, you know, the two, three years of COVID, plus uh, everything top, on top of the other. But then the result is I, I actually, and I'm not representative of anyone, but I actually not only chose Qatar, I'm pondering, should I, now that it's one click, should I move all my avios on Qatar Airways and now start a crew there? Because it's basically equivalent. And I would get some of the benefits like the super premium lounge in yeah. Qatar, in Doha, whatever. I'm literally thinking... And it makes no sense because, I mean, it makes sense because I can just move back my avios. But I mean, the, the status itself, I would just not give give up on. And I know that, like, our friend Ed Parsons was listening as a, you know, GGL, yeah, yeah. old club, whatever it is. It gives you access to a bit more. Well, Ed, by the way, maybe tell us, is it still yeah, worth Yeah, I would be very interested to hear I don't know. Uh, a voice of reason in amongst all of this. I'm sure they can fix it. I do, I do just too. that it seems that it takes forever. I mean, maybe it's around the right time. They don't have a lot yeah. of money. And it's just like, it just, I don't know. Man, that that was a great trip. Yeah, I had fun. Yeah, I had fun. Yeah, of course. I can see that, right? I mean, I, I didn't take any holidays this uh, this summer. I mean, some of it was for work. So I'm, I'm, uh, mines are only in October. So it feels like in <laughs> forever. Oh, it'll be here before you know. It. Holidays. But it was a very quiet summer. So I will. 
And that will be a nice destination, a destination I've never oh. done for the, the holidays. I'm not going to announce it on the on the recording, so it makes it so it's a surprise when it happens. I haven't booked. I'm probably booking oh, today exciting. the tickets because I booked the hotel, but not the tickets. Which uh, looking at the pricing, like Ooh, yeah. shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, uh, hey, well, um, other than that, I mean, look, uh, you, yeah, because one hour 55, let's not do other, I wanted to talk about the Dreamliner, but, uh, oh yeah, I was just going to say something because I've got so many messages. I document my, Insta my, my, I document my Instagram. No, I wish I document my travel Instagram, although Instagram has become pure garbage mm -hmm. these days. Uh, I, the stories is still fun to do. And it's, you know, especially when I'm alone. Yeah. I take a picture or two and video or two. However, And so I was at, I was at uh, Islamabad, no, it's Qatar, Doha, departing uh, the Southern Runway, I think. And at the very, at the moment we are about to depart, so we do the last turn and you're already accelerating and pushing the throttle up. I see like a tons of, um, tons of um, stored aircrafts mm. uh, from Qatar Airways. So I was with my proper camera and I took one or two pictures and then just, The very last minute, I think a, a very bad shot of um, because I wanted to put something on Instagram. And I said, I'm going to lose the connection. So I go to go very fa fast. And I write lots of Dreamliners in storage at the airport or something. I forgot the name. And probably half of the people that are also correlated to this podcast because they listen say, This is an A350 and not a Dreamliner. Yeah, guys, you're right. It was a 350 um. on that picture. It's just that before that, there was like a ton of Dreamliners. And by the time, I wanted to quickly write before we take off our route. So I think I, I've lost a lot of credibility <laughs> on Instagram amongst our listeners. So really sorry, guys. Yeah, it was indeed a 350 from Qatar Airways that you saw in a road Dreamliner. People are going to hate me. And, I don't and think I'm you can yet. carry on with this. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know when we're going to record next because uh, I recently learned which is like, AKA two hours ago that you're yes. moving. So um, I, I don't know when you're going to move for fix. Uh, let's do the, the next episode will be Pakistan, yes. but I'm not sure. Are you traveling these? Nothing um, on the books. Past nope. next? Yeah, same here. Uh, besides October and November, I have some stuff, but nothing on the books for now. So yeah, we'll do uh, probably in about two, three weeks, depending on when you move. We'll discuss it after we, asked, um, we end the recording. Um, we'll do another. And it's going to be, I think, Yeah, it's going to be fun to talk about that as well. It's going to be very different than I'm looking about forward California, to this very but much. I think uh, we'll um, talk about some of the uh, intricacies of traveling in emerging countries. Let's put it that way. I will ask for your advice and experience on what would you do yeah. if you were in situations <laughs> like I ended up being. <laughs> Let's run the music for the uh, outro where it is. There you go. And we can still talk because I think it's a minute or whatever. Oh, well. Are you going to keep your horn? Yes, my horn will be... Uh, behind you for the new yes, place yes. you're going to live. I, I will make sure that, <laughs> that that comes with me and all of the other accoutrements. You especially need uh, the that window. Yes, yeah. I don't know why I'm pointing it out on the screen because you cannot see my finger pointing out of the window. Uh, the window behind you is very yeah. cool. And I, I've looked at it. What's the website again? Where you bought Plain Reclaimers. Yes, and I looked, there was none. There were like one from BA. Yeah. I was like, do I really want a BA sign behind here when you look at Yeah, they, um, they, there's a couple of, of, of suppliers in the UK that do that, so worth having a peek.
Anyway, guys, thank you so much. Thanks, Alex. Happy travels. <laughs>